morning. Will you please stand for the reading of the word? Today we are going to go through Exodus 18, 13 through 27. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, What is this you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses replied to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. What you're doing is not good, Moses' father-in-law said to him. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice and God be with you. You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. But you should select from all the people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating dishonest prophet. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you every major case, but judge every minor case themselves. In this way, you will lighten your load, and they will bear it with you. If you do this, and God so directs you, you will be able to endure. And also, all these people will be able to go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. So Moses chose able men from all Israel and made them leaders over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They judged the people at all times. They would bring the hard cases to Moses, but they would judge every minor case themselves. Moses let his father-in-law go, and he journeyed to his own land. Yes, amen. You may be seated this morning. And as you're seated, let's do a little bit of praying. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming together to study your word. So right now, can you pray something like this? God, open my spiritual eyes and ears. Can you pray that? Let me hear and see what you want me to hear and see. Reveal any blind spots I may have. Encourage me where I need encouragement. And convict me where I need conviction. So God, our prayer is just to bring this whole time under your kingdom authority rule. God, we pray that you would just reign and rule over every aspect of everything that happens right here and right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, any of y'all overextended this morning? How about this? What about exhausted? Burned out? Ah, but you're still a believer, right? Let's talk about that for just a moment because that's where we're going this morning with the text this morning because it's easy for us to get overextended, exhausted, and then sometimes we can even get burned out. What do I mean by being burned out? 
Well, burned out is, it's a mental, physical, and emotional exhaustion that leaves a person feeling unable to keep up with the demands. So let me ask you something. Have you ever felt that way before? Or maybe you're feeling that way right here and right now. Trip hazard there. Thank you, Chuck. It's easy in serving the Lord to get to this place right here to where you're burned out. Matter of fact, I can tell you this much this morning. If you're good at what you do, we will let you get there. We will encourage you to get there, as a matter of fact, because we like what you do. We like what you do for us, and we will just let you roll with it. Matter of fact, we'll invite you and encourage you and just, just let you go, 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 go. So this morning, as we talk about being overextended, exhausted, burned out, maybe it's in other areas of your life as well. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in raising your children. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it is in dealing with your health. Man, life can get really hard sometimes. And if you're this, here this morning and like you're just hanging by a thread in any area of any, any that we're talking about right now, you know, be encouraged. I want you to know something. God sees you. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. And his desire is to help you. But you have got to allow the Lord to work in your life and help you with this. So let's go through a few things right quick. Is there anywhere in your life right now that you're overcommitted? Hey, listen, you moms out here this morning, I gotta ask you something. Um, are you busy being the mom of not only your children, but also your husband? Are you taking care of all the finances? Are you just going and blowing 110 miles an hour, just trying to keep everybody in order and doing everything, taking care of your aging parents, all this kind of stuff, and then there's no, then, then, then on top of all of that, then you got to try to take care of yourself as well. Any of y'all, because I see some of y'all moms come in here with a whole bunch of kids in tow with y'all as y'all come in on Sunday mornings. So there's my question for you. If any of these things, I want you to listen, you're taking notes this morning, you got your pen, you got your piece of paper. If I talk about one of these and it's you, write that down on your piece of paper because you need to think about this. And then also you can easily get on unrealistic expectations when everybody else is wanting, it seems like you're the one rescuing everybody else. Then sometimes it's like you can put unrealistic expectations on yourself or maybe other people too. Maybe that's in your workplace. Maybe the place where you work, maybe there's unrealistic expectations placed on you. Then maybe you are an overachiever and you've got unrealistic expectations on yourself. Then emotional exhaustion, man, these things can go to that and get that point to where like, hey, listen, you you understand something. There's some people this morning that not, not just this church, but churches all over the place that love Jesus, love church, but they could not emotionally handle going to church this morning. Being around everybody saying hi, just, just, to, just what it takes just to come in and be around a whole bunch of people. Maybe that's you, maybe you're watching online this morning, we're glad, or listening later, we're glad you're with us. And then maybe also you feel like you've got a lack of support and recognition, anybody in the church this morning. You ever felt that way before? Like you work and you work and you work and you give and people just like, you give, you clean up, people come behind you, make the mess right behind you, like, oh my goodness, they do not appreciate me. You ever felt that way before? Maybe you feel that way right now. Hey, um, men, hello, all, all men, hang on. You husbands, you dads, y'all, y'all women now, listen, we are oblivious to this as men. 
Sometimes our wives are working and serving us and serving the kids, and we, we expect it. That's the way that it should always be. And then we are oblivious to the fact that they feel like they do not have any support and recognition for all the things that they do for us. So maybe if you are the real, true spiritual leader of your family, which God has called you to be, maybe today you might need to go home, sit down, look your eyes, your wife in the eyes and say, hey, do you feel like you are supported and recognized for all you do? Now, some of you right now know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't do that because she will unleash on me. Hey, listen, <laughs> then it's time for you to man up, take it on the chin, be a man. Take, you can take it. You will live through it, okay? This is, I mean, there, boy, there's, there's a whole other sermon right there. That's why you got an unhealthy relationship because you don't have good communication. You are the leader. You may not feel like it, but you are. Take that place. Hey, speaking of all that, there's conflict on there. You got any conflict in your life? Well, hey, I got good news for you. So do all the rest of us too. Every single person setting into this, we in different layers, different realms, different areas, some higher, some lower, all of us, that's a part of living in this world. We all deal with conflict. But sometimes all of these things coming together can just overload. And then if you're not taking care of your soul, man, you are, listen, you are headed for burnout this morning. This is why I get up here every Sunday and I talk about the importance of you reading your Bible, praying every day. Those are essential. Those are the most important aspects of your soul care. If you're not doing that, then listen, all the other things I would talk about doesn't matter. You've got to have the Lord, the Holy Spirit, replenishing you. If not, you are headed for burnout for sure. One more. What's the big one right here? Save the best for last. If you don't understand your identity in Christ, if you don't understand your kingdom purpose, you are headed for burnout. Because you'll be serving and you won't listen. You will lose track of why you're doing what you do. You may be sitting here this morning and if somebody came to you to sit down beside you and said, hey, why are you here this morning? You, will, you might have a hard time articulating your whole, the reason you're even here in this church, in this place. I know the Sunday school answer, I'm here to worship God. But really, is there something more than that? I mean, I'm, I'm seriously asking you right now, because there should be something more than that. Yeah, that is our primary goal, worshiping the Lord, but there should be other layers involved in the reason why you're sitting here, right here, right now, in this moment. Let me tell you something, okay, just in case, just in case we're not clear on this, here is my whole goal in being here this morning. My whole goal is to be here this moment, this moment, right here with you, to see what God is doing, right here in this moment, and join him in that. That's my number one goal right now. But listen, you know what? I hope this morning that when you came in here and you sat down, you're like, oh, thank God I don't have to do anything right here right now. I can just sit down and somebody else do the work. Listen, I hope this is your Sabbath. I hope that you're, going, I hope that you're refilled. I hope that you're refreshed. I hope that you're challenged. I hope you're kicked in the rear and you're patted on the back all at the same time because the Holy Spirit can do all of those. I'm not doing any of that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's his responsibility. Y'all ready for the sermon now? All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 through 27, we've got, we've got a great moment in the life of the nation of Israel and for Moses. And here's what happens. When everything goes good, we got problems. The next day, Moses sat down. Would you, you take note of that? Y'all see that? He sat down to judge the people. Because everything, listen, I'll tell you something. We never read of him sitting down to judge the people. We never read of everybody bringing him problems whenever they don't have any water to drink. Are you with me now? 
When, they're, when, when, they, when they don't have any food, we don't have, they're not judging between each other. They're just trying to survive. But when they got plenty of food, the water's good, everything's going good, they start having problems with each other. <laughs> y'all see what I'm saying now? Some of y'all are like, man, why have I always got this struggle? Why am I always under this strain? Because if we're not under the strain, we start causing problems for other people, and they start causing problems for us. Everything becomes problematic when we get prosperous and everything's going good. We will develop the problems because that's how we are in our flesh. Are you glad you came to church this morning? So they judged between the people and they stood around. He's sitting down. He's judging. They stood around Moses. Now, this is a, there's two to three million people, okay? So I'm, and it's unreasonable to think that we got two to three million people that are all standing around this one guy sitting down. But there's a bunch of people coming to him with their problems. And they're wanting this one guy to straighten them all out from morning until evening. Now listen, I wanna ask you something. Have you, ever, have you ever tried to help people with their problems? You ever sit down and talk with people? If you've done that for hour after hour after hour, you know how exhausting that can be. He's doing this all day long. Oh, hey, this, this is interesting to me because now they're coming to Moses for Moses to judge between them. What a big difference between this and Exodus chapter 2. Y'all remember this? Exodus chapter 2, whenever he was feeling the justice inside his heart and his soul, Moses was. It said the next day he went out and he saw the Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? This is Moses talking to them. They said, who made you commander and judge over us? They didn't want, they didn't want to have his advice and him judging him. Oh, but how things have changed now. Isn't that interesting? Now they're all coming to him for him to judge because you can't get away from your kingdom purpose. Verse 14. Moses' father-in-law, the Gentile ex-pagan, I'm going to say he's now been converted, ex-pagan priest comes on the scene. Now, hang on a second. I'm going to tell you something. You young men, some of you young men in here, if you've got a father-in-law or some of you young men, you have a father-in-law in the future. That is an interesting dynamic in a relationship sometimes. And here we've got Jethro coming in, and here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if Moses isn't wanting to show Jethro how important and how, how good he is. Just my wonder. I'm thinking it could be a possibility. Some of you young men, you know that. When the older man comes in that you respect, you want him to see how hard you work, how important you are. Well, Moses is really, hey, listen, listen, seriously. On a serious note, Moses is an important dude. I'm not trying to downplay that. He is, he is, God is using him in a major way, no doubt about that. But I'm just wondering if he's not wanting Jethro to see this too, make sure Jethro sees this. So he comes in, he saw everything that he was doing for them. I could just see Moses over there thinking, man, I'm doing something, this is great, you know, Jethro is going to be proud of me. What, the, what is this you're doing for the people? He comes in, Jethro, you ever, you ever had that happen before? You think, man, they're going to be happy and proud, and they come in like, what are you doing? What are you doing with these people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Number one on your outline right there. Sharing responsibilities not only benefits the leaders, but it also is better for those, all, everybody's better off. When, when we're sharing responsibility, when we, listen, when we got one person that's, that's being the leader, man, listen, that is too much of a strain, especially in the spiritual sense. That is too much of a strain for anybody. We don't ever do that in church, by the way, do we? Like we don't have like, I'll tell you something on a serious note. In my estimation, one of the hardest jobs on the face of this planet is that dude that's out there pastoring a church of under 100 people. 
And he's preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He's cleaning the toilets. He's mowing the yard. And he's taking care of all the elderly people in this church. And he does not have time to do anything. That dude, let me tell you something. You think, think oh, man, hey, listen, you know. Uh, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I have been a rough neck. I've operated heavy equipment. I mean, I do, I do understand. I'm going to brag on myself, but I do understand what hard work is. But I want to tell you something. There is nothing like that strain that that dude's under right now. There is no one to help him. He has a group of deacons around him that are pushing him and forcing him to do everything. That dude is under a load, okay? Look at this, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, two people are better than one because they can reap more benefit from their labor. For if they fall, one will help his companion up. But pity the person who falls down and has no one. Now, listen, I'll tell you something. Some of you, you have been hurt deeply in church. Matter of fact, if you served in church, you've been hurt in church. That happens. It's, just, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And so then, here's what we do. So when we've been hurt, what we naturally do to protect ourselves is we pull back. Say, I'm never going to do that again because I don't ever want to be hurt again. I'll tell you something. When, when you isolate yourself, you are falling into the trap of the enemy. I'm not going to get Prince say that, that you're not, that yeah, you didn't get hurt or whatever it is. Listen, I'll tell you something. We've all been hurt by church people. Every single one of us that served. And I'll tell you something, if you serve here, I can guarantee you, we will hurt you too. It's, that's just how it is. We're not a perfect church. This is just who we are. We are people in the church. But whenever, whenever I get to the point, I say, you know what? I'm never going to do it. I'm just going to pull out, disengage, get out of the game, get out. Just let, let everybody else take care of that. I can promise you this much. When you isolate, you are going right into the enemy's trap. Carry one another's burdens. That's Galatians. In this way, you will fulfill the law for many men. I tell you what, it's hard to carry other people's burdens, but we are commanded to do that. Look at this, James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Well, these one another's are all over the Bible. And pray for one another. You may, don't fall for the lie that your prayers don't matter. They matter. We need you praying for us. So if you're sitting back, thinking, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if I pray. That is a lie from the pit of hell that smells like smoke. Your prayers matter so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful and it's effective. You're only right because you're in Christ Jesus, not because you're a good person. Like we've covered that over and over again. Back to our story. So here's what I said. So he's like, why are you alone sitting here doing all this by yourself? So here is Moses' reply. Moses says, man, this father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me. And I look at this, the personal pronouns. And I make a decision between one man and another. And I teach them God's statutes and laws. So Moses is like, man, they, listen, if I don't do this, who's going to do it? Hey, listen, listen. You may be the best at whatever it is you're doing. But I want to tell you something. Just because you're the best doesn't mean you got to carry the whole load. Just because other people can't do it as good as you doesn't mean other people should not be involved. Look at this. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Because they're having, a, in a church at Corinth, they're having the argument over who's the greatest, Paul or Apollos. So he's, but Paul says, man, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So then... Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. That's rough right there. I mean, like, we, we all, man, listen, in this, this culture you live in, we're all identified by what we do. Oh, so I'm guilty of this, too. We meet somebody, hey, what do you do for a living? Why do we do that? Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. 
your job is not who you are. Because I'm gonna tell you something, whatever you identify with, apart from Christ, that thing will destroy you. You may, you, you may be identifying as a mom. You may be identifying as a, a father. You may be identifying as a husband, as a wife. That, that's your, that's your identity. I'll tell you something, those kids will grow up someday. You know, we got kids that are all identified as, as student athletes. One of these days you won't play that sport anymore. One of these days you won't be in school anymore. One of these days those things will be gone. But listen, your identity in Christ will never come to an end. Your purpose and your identity, that is essential. And if it's not first found in Christ, then whatever else is there, that will get you. Listen, the only plants one with is any, but only God who gives the growth. For look at this, skip down to verse nine. For we are God's co-workers. We're seeing what God is doing. We're joining him in that. That's it right there, man. I mean, have I said that a million times already? Good, I hope so. I'm gonna say it a million more. Number two, too much work, but too little rest will wear you down. Well, that, you probably didn't know that, did you? You learned something new. <laughs> wow, man, that's some deep stuff right there, David. Yeah, I know it is, but we got to talk about that, right? Because here's the thing is that this too much work with too little rest, you'll be doing this and not even know it. This will sneak up on you. Your flesh and this world is just all about getting you to do too much work with too little rest. How many people are proud of how much sleep they get? Very few. Hey, what you been doing? Man, that was a great week this past week. I slept nine hours every night. Oh, you lazy bum. Oh, man, I, I, I was too busy, man. I didn't have enough time to sleep this past week, man. I mean, like, it's just, I slept like 30 minutes a whole week because I was so busy, hard work. Wow, you're awesome. That's the culture you live in, isn't it? So be careful with that. Look at this, Acts chapter 6, the early church. They were starting up. Church was going good. I know church was going good because it got people fighting in the church. Here's what it says. But the believers rapidly multiplied, and there was rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers, which they're going to be kind of on the outside because it's primarily Hebrew people here. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food, which probably was actually happening because there's a barrier, a breakdown in communication. It makes sense it would happen. So the 12 called a meeting, the 12 apostles, the 12 leaders called a meeting. Of all the believers, they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Now, I know that sounds negative, but the food program is important. Don't read that and think, oh, well, because the water doesn't want food, you know, because that's not important. It's important, okay? So it's like, but there's, listen, we all have callings and we all have giftings, okay? So like the calling and the gifting that you have, we all, all the rest of us need you serving in that area to help encourage us and our kingdom living as well. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So I think about that poor dude out there and that little small church is doing it all on his own. He's a solo act. Man, bless his heart. So here's what the answer is. Jethro comes in right in the middle of them. Man, I can see Jethro. Man, I, I see fire in his eyes, and I see his voice sharp, and I see Moses going. That's, that's how I visualize this story. So what are you doing? Man, what you're doing is no good. Moses thought, I mean, like, Moses must have been thinking, what do you mean no good, man? This is awesome what I'm doing. 
So, number three, you can't be everything to everybody. Hey, mom, you can't be everything to everybody without endangering everything. None of the women said amen, amen on that one. Because, uh, listen, I'll tell you something. Some of you, if not many of you sitting in here right now, that's you. You find your value in rescuing everybody else too. You find your identity in rescuing everybody else too. You do realize something, that's God's job. That's his responsibility. You get to join him in that, okay? So whenever, if you're sitting here this morning, you think, man, I am the one that everybody else needs. Man, I don't know how to say this nicely, but this is the only way I can say it, okay? I have officiated many funerals in my day. And here's what I can tell you. Some of those people were great Christian people. And after the funeral, everybody went back to the church, ate potato salad, and life went on. And when you and I leave this earth, same thing will happen. They'll go back to the church, have potato salad, and life will go on. Life will go on without you. God can make it. He can make it all work. So the moment that we start thinking that we're too important, we're headed off in the wrong direction. Corey says, man, you will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you. Essentially here, because the, the word wear out, wear out right here, it, it's like a leaf withering up and falling onto the ground right here. The leaf, I mean, it's like, you're going you to get the point where you're totally burned out. And these people with you also. That leads me to my next point. We'll get through these points pretty quick. Number four, kingdom responsibility. Look at this. Because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. Kingdom responsibility has got a weight to it. It's so different because kingdom responsibility has a, has a weight that is different from the stress of worldly obligations. That's just like anything that you do that is ministry related has got a weight to it. It's got a heaviness to it. If this, I mean, I know some of y'all work at Sky Ranch. Sky, let me tell you what. Anytime you're involved in a Christian organization, there is something different about that. It's called spiritual warfare. At Sky Ranch, my little uh, granddaughter going into first grade spent the last week at Sky Ranch. She had a great time, and they were talking about the Bible lessons they had every night. So if, you got, if you're in some group that's like teaching the Word of God, that's ministering to people, I can guarantee you there's going to be a weight with that that's different from anything else. That weight right here he's talking about, listen, when he says, this is too heavy, that's not just words, but that really means something. So if you're, in, if you're involved in ministry, I can tell you this much, you got to be careful because as you're pouring out, if, there's not, if the Lord's not pouring back into you, you will burn out. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice, some unsolicited advice. That's what father-in-laws do, by the way. And God be with you. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Now you, you be the one that represents the people before God and bring their cases to him. So saying, Moses, you keep on praying. You keep on praying, interceding for the people. That's important. You got to be doing that. Okay? Instruct them. Look at that. Pray for them and teach them. Instruct them about the statutes of the law, teaching them. Oh, that's so interesting right here. Now, I want you to take note of this. The way. You have to understand something. The Torah, first five books of the Bible. Do you know what the ancient Jews referred to the Torah as? The way, the truth, and the life. Hmm, does that sound familiar to you? Somebody else said that in the New Testament? Jesus did, didn't he? So he's talking to a bunch of Jews. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, like, you're, you're, you're focused on something else that's wrong. I'm the one that's going to get you to the Father. No one comes to the Father except by me is what he said after that. 
So right here he said, man, you need to be instructing, you need to be praying for them, and you need to be teaching them the Word of God. Because listen, if we don't have somebody instructing us in the Word of God, we all are going to go the wrong direction. It's just that simple. That's just what's going to happen to all of us. We need people instructing us in the Word of God. You listen, if you think that you want to be a leader in the church and you're not studying your Bible, I guarantee you, you're headed for burnout. You got to not only about reading your Bible, you need to be studying your Bible. So if you ever have, you young people ever have any aspirations to be a leader in the church, I'll tell you something, you better be studying your Bible. But you should select from these uh, able men. Man, I love this right here because this translation about the able men right here, this is speaking about, he said, you need to be picking out men of valor. You need to be picking out men that you're going to pick out. These men need to be strong men. Why is that? Why do we need strong men leading God's people? Because it's going to be a heavy load. If you don't have some strong men involved in this, then they will not be able to carry this load very far at all because they will not. How, so, so what do you think? How do you, how do you think? How do you calibrate whether or not a man is strong in this context? Is it because he's big, whatever, can lift a bunch of weight or whatever it may be? He, nothing gets to him. I tell you what a strong man is in this context right here. A strong man in this, man, this context is a dependent man. A man who knows what it means to depend on the Lord. A man that knows that his limitations and it's only God and by his strength alone. But you should select for your people, able men, God-fearing, Man, that's, that's a big one right there, huh? Trustworthy and hating dishonest prophet. Why is that? Because if they hate dishonest prophet, they can't be bribed. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Look at this. It's trustworthy saying, if anybody aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So New Testament, say, we got to pick somebody to be a church leader. Here's what you need to look at. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control. Hang on, hold on. Now let me tell you something. All of these are important, and we get all, all up in arms about every single one of these except this one right here. If we got a church leader that doesn't exercise self-control, we'll look the other way, that's no big deal. We got a church leader that doesn't have any self-discipline, we have no problem with that, just as long as everything else is covered. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. I have never went on a job interview for a church for them to hire me. And they said, now, Dave, we need to check out and see how self-disciplined you are. Every <laughs> single one time. But I mean, like, there it is right there. There's one of them right there. So, man, I'm going to stop talking right now. I'm going to say something really mean, so let's go on. Self-control, live wisely and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect him and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must, be, must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil will cause him to fall. Man, how many times I've seen people get saved and just right after they get to be saved, they get to be placed in a place of leadership and man, very rarely does that work out. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So that's just for us in the New Testament. Did y'all come this morning to read the Bible? See what the Bible has to say? Good, I did too. Back to our story. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring every major case but judge every minor case themselves. In this way, oh, look at that. There it is once again. 
That's a heavy load. Will lighten your load. And they will bear it with you. Mm, that's good. If you do this, as God directs you, because listen, this is always it. Always how God directs. Not the way that we think it should go, but the way that God directs. You'll be able to endure. Interesting thing, that Hebrew word, the original text in Hebrew right there, it says you'll be able to stand. And that inter- interesting thing about that is that many, many Bible commentators think that's kind of a little bit of a joke that, that um, Jethro threw in there for Moses. Like you're sitting here, but if you're able to do this, you'll be able to stand. And all these people will be able to go home. Actually, the good translation for that, go home in peace and shalom. Moses listened to his father-in-law. Man, there's a miracle right there. And did everything he said. There is a miracle in the Bible. So Moses chose able men from all Israel and made them leaders over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They judged the people at all times. They'd bring the hard cases to Moses, but they would judge every minor case themselves. (laughs) Another interesting thing. Remember, Jethro is a Gentile. Jethro, the Gentile, is the hero in the story once again. Verse 27. Moses, oh man, when I first read this verse, I thought that was so interesting. Let his father go. Father-in-law go. He let his father-in-law go. So as I went back and I researched this, so in the Hebrew, the stem words, the key words in this, are the same words that whenever Moses would walk into another Gentile and he'd say, let my people go. Two different Gentile men, Pharaoh, he say, go in and say, let my people go. Same stem words used right here. They got another Gentile man, the whole different response. One of them, Pharaoh, negative response. Man, he was a terrible dude. Jethro, a great response right here and a great relationship with him. Once again, the messaging to the original readers that read this back years and years and even before Jesus, that not all Gentiles are bad people, that God can use unusual size pieces in his kingdom puzzle. See, some of you right now, you're unusually shaped. (laughs) And you're kind of odd and different. And you're like, man, I'm just different from everybody else. Well, I got good news for you. The people that are different and a little bit odd and kind of different from all the rest of us, those are the ones that God uses in extraordinary ways. I want to tell you something. You take a guy that's a little bit different the way he thinks, but he loves the Lord. He can sit down with the Bible and pray and read it and tell you something that you've never heard or seen before in that text because God just works through him differently. Then he gets somebody else that's really great, really educated, and he just goes right in line with all the rest of everybody else and says everything everybody else says, and we're like, oh, I heard that a million times, okay. So I'm trying to encourage you. If you feel odd and you feel different, then I want you to understand something. God created you that way on purpose for a reason, and he wants to use that, and he can use that in extraordinary ways. So he journeyed back to his own land. Can I tell you what the ancient Jewish... uh, commentators believe that he did right there they believe that he all went back to his home and he converted them all to judaism which i mean like that's great i hope i'm sure he did go back and tell them about the god of moses and all that and hey i hope that did happen and that's a wonderful story if it happened that way but the interesting thing in this is that the hero of the story is a gentile midianite priest that god used in a mighty way when everybody else was letting moses destroy himself God sent a man in there, and unsus- I mean, like, you would not expect this guy to come in and to advise him in the truth. All right, let's look at this. 
let's talk about what's going on with you right now, okay? Let's talk about your relationship with the Lord. Now, let's get you a little bit uneasy. You want to squirm a little bit right now? Go ahead and squirm, wiggle around, breathe out. Let's talk about you and the Lord right now. You and your relationship with the Lord. How's your prayer time going this past week? Now, listen, listen. The first thing that just popped in your mind when I said that was, oh, man, this past week was really, really busy. <laughs> then guess what? Your enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil are wanting you to be busy. I was really busy with really good stuff this past week. Hey, listen, I know some of you were really, really busy with Vacation Bible School this past week. Thank you for serving. God bless you. you may, maybe you're feeling a little bit overextended and exhausted this morning. Maybe you feel like you're on the edge of burnout. And you're like, man, I need a break. So there's people back there serving in the kids area right now, okay? Here's, here's the way it should be. There should be so many people within our congregation that serve in that area back there to where like, you can only get back there about once every three months and serve. If all of us served and you could only get back there once every three months, we wouldn't have people that felt overextended and exhausted and burned out. Jesus, 100% God and 100% man. Look at this. But the news about Jesus spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to, hmm, the Bible says lonely places, good translation right there, deserted places, and he would go to, so I ask you a question. If God being, a if Jesus being 100% man, 100% God, if that's how important prayer was to him, then how important should that be to us? See, I mean, you may be saying this morning, say, man, David, hey, listen, I am just, I am too overextended and exhausted and I'm too burned out to even pray. Well, I got bad news for you. If you're not praying, it's gonna, be, it's gonna get worse. You got to, listen, this is one of the things that is essential. You've got to be praying. Another place right here said, after dismissing the crowds, he went on to a mountain. Jesus did by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. I mean, is there any, I mean, is there any time that you can get alone with the Lord? <laughs> some, of, some of your moms looking at me like, are you crazy? If everybody is coming at you at a million miles an hour all the time, then, then hey, listen, once again, I'm trying not to be mean about this. Is that because you want them to? Is that because that's where you find your value? Maybe what you need to do is put up some healthy boundaries to where you can spend some time alone with the Lord. And some of you women, you might need to recruit your husband to help you. Some of you men might need to be willing to help. Listen, because here's the thing, I'll tell you something. When, when you burn out, when you finally get to the point where you're totally exhausted, then here's the bad side of that then you're no good for anyone. Then, I mean, like, then, you, then you're, you're the one that's gonna have to have everybody else pouring into you and helping you. So if you really, if that's where you find your value in helping people, that's a good thing, by the way. But if you're not taking care of yourself and you're gonna let yourself get burned out, then that's a dangerous place to be right there. Be still and know that I am God. Hmm. Your culture doesn't want you to do that. Doesn't want you to be still. Then Jesus said, 
Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have a time to eat. So he tells them, said, let's go off by ourselves in quiet place and rest for a while. Man, listen, we are headed towards, we are getting close to Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is all about rest. It's about Sabbath. We're headed for that really fast, okay? So I don't want to just, I don't want to just harp on this right now. I want to leave some for, for Exodus chapter. But listen, you've got to be resting. If, you, if any of this stuff right here, any of those things we just listed off, then you have got to be resting. Psalm 62, I am at rest in God alone. Because that's where you're going to really find your rest right there. Number five. Last one, kingdom purpose is found not in the busyness of service, but in the intentional moments of seeking God in solitude and prayer. So some of y'all might remember, y'all might have remember hearing me tell the story about John Wesley, that one time he was with a real important dignitary and he was having a meeting with him. One night they were having dinner and it got to be about 8.30 and and Wesley said, I've got to excuse myself because I've got an important date tomorrow morning. Well, the dignitary was like, who's more important than me? What do you mean an important meeting in the tomorrow morning? He said, yeah, I've got an important meeting tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. And he's like, well, who? And he said, with the Lord Jesus. And he would shut everything down, and he would be in bed, you know, by 9 o'clock every night. So he'd get up and have that time with the Lord at 4 a.m. every morning. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking, 4 a.m., that's about the time I go to bed. You know, that's that's the middle of the night, man. I mean, that is crazy. The reason that we do what we do is because we've been conditioned to be this way. I can tell you this much. If your relationship with the Lord is that important, then it doesn't matter what the time is. You'll be able to get up. And here's what I can tell you, too. For some of you busy moms, that's the only time you're going to get before those babies wake up. And that baby might be your husband, too. It might be that only time that you got. And some, for some of you men, too, if you're feeling burnout and replenished, you're like, man, I just don't have enough time, then that's my encouragement for you. I'll tell you something. If you start getting up early every morning, your body within three days will start getting used to it. Fourth or fifth day. But if you start cheating and come the weekend, start, oh, it's a weekend time, I'll sleep late and all that, well, you're going to go back through that whole struggle again. But I'll tell you something, if you're consistent with this every day, because that's what it should be. Your relationship with the Lord should be that consistent. It should be every single day. Then you'll get to where you'll see the value and the sweetness in that, and it doesn't matter what's happening. You will want to get up and be with the Lord in that time. Let's all stand this morning. So as you're standing up there, I want you to look up there at the screen. Look at that. Look at this verse right here. It's what Jesus says: "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened." So. So are you weary and burdened right now? And he says, I will give you rest. Are y'all back there on the computer trying to make sure I got this? I don't have that verse memorized if that's what y'all are doing back there on the computer right now. <laughs> let's, see, let's see if he can quote it. So if you are burnt out, then the whole 
I can tell you this much. It's not because God is not good and you may be getting burned out from doing good things, but I can tell you this much. You can do the right things the wrong way and you will get burned out. You can do the right things for the wrong reason, you'll get burned out. So like, if you, the key is always this. If you understand your identity in Christ and you understand your kingdom purpose, you will never get burned out in that area because you'll be crystal clear on what God wants from you, what God's expectations are from you. And then when you got that down, then you won't get burned out. It's whenever we move off that point and we start trying to rescue everybody else and save everybody else and help everybody else and we're the best one that can do it so I need to be doing it, that's when we start heading off in the wrong direction. So can I, can I just tell you once again, just because you're the best doesn't mean you need to be doing it all alone. Okay? Don't let us drive you into burnout. Don't let your family drive you into burnout. Don't let your boss, your job, drive you into burnout. Don't let your self drive you into burnout. So can you just pray for just a moment right now and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any areas in your life right now where you are moving away from your identity and your purpose and you're overextending yourself. So can you pray right now? So dear Lord, just Holy Spirit, show me anywhere in my life where I am overextending, where I'm moving away from my identity in Christ, where I'm coming out from under my kingdom purpose, doing things in my own strength. So right now as you're praying that, if something comes to the forefront of your mind and you're arguing over that thing because it's so important or it's because that's your identity and because, or that's where you get your value, then just know this, be careful that you're resisting the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's brought something to your mind then you need to pray, God, Holy Spirit, just help me. Give me the ability to repent from putting too much value on this or moving in this direction. So you look up the screen, if you would. So we're about to go into the most important time together for us into communion. So this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. That's the whole chapter of Ephesians. Everything that encompasses your salvation, your redemption is found in this whole chapter. Because it starts off and it says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So we're, we were spiritually dead. We were apart from God because of our sins. And once you once walked following the course of this world, this whole world system right here, we're following the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So it starts off very offensive to us, telling us that we were dead sinners that were bought into the world system that were following the devil. Pretty harsh words. That's where we were before we came to Christ. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. That's one of those but God statements. This is where it all changes. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our own trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Y'all probably never heard that verse before, but that's a good one. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable richness of his grace and kindness towards us that are in Christ Jesus, that term of salvation. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. So it's all by his grace that we've been saved. We can't do anything to earn it or deserve it. It's all a gift that we receive. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, before, before, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's God's purpose for you right there. That he's got something prepared for you to walk in. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have somebody that's, that's on our behalf in heaven praying for us, an advocate with the Father, and that is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus is praying for us right now in heaven. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's that, there's that covering of blood right there over our lives. Now I'm going to take you back there to the Passover when they, they covered, they took that, the, the doorway and they put the blood over the three doorposts right there and that covering right there, that was the atonement. They were under that atonement in that house. They were saved from the wrath of God that we just read there in Ephesians chapter 2 that, that we, were, we were children of wrath before we came to Christ. Oh, that's so good. Now we are in Christ. We are saved from the wrath of God. Man, that excites me. Man, listen, I know that this is a holy and sacred moment, but I can't help it. I'm getting holy, sacred, excited right now. That grace that we're saved. I mean, we got an eternity of heaven ahead of us because of this. And we've got the kingdom of heaven coming to us right here and right now. Oh, it's so good. See, the terrible thing about sin is it just takes all the kingdom joy out of us right here and right now to where we are miserable, unhappy, unfulfilled, and just, oh. But man, when you got that kingdom joy inside of you, oh, it's just a taste of what heaven's going to be forever and ever. So if you're in Christ, if you're saved, if you're born again, and you're ready for this sacred moment with the Lord, then we have got the elements up here on the stage and at the back. So if you would, go ahead 
and make your way. Don't just assume that people want you to get the elements for them. If you want to get them for someone, make sure they want you to because they may not be in the place to take communion this morning, which is fine. Give me one. Can you give me one, bro? Thank you. Appreciate it. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed. So I want you to think about that for just a moment because some of you have been betrayed and you know that that carries a whole different sense. And how you feel when you're betrayed is rough. You You feel taken advantage of. You feel like, how could I have ever let myself do that? taking advantage of like that. I'll never let that happen again. So if you've got Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, if he was betrayed, then it's inevitable. It's just one of those things in relationships that are going to happen to us here and now. So listen, so some of you this morning, you're letting that, you're allowing that betrayal to hinder your kingdom joy because you're not willing to forgive that person who betrayed you. So can I remind you that your battle is not against flesh and blood? Can I remind you that Jesus said that if you're going to come offer your gift to the altar, then first go be reconciled to your brother, then come back and present your offering, that your forgiveness of other people is essential to your kingdom joy, to your relationship with God. It's essential On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body. And what the disciples must have been thinking in that moment, which is for you. So I want you to do this in remembrance of me. So let's go ahead and open up to the bread. So you think about your picture in your mind right now. As you're looking at that piece of bread, picture those Apostles right there on that first night whenever Jesus said, this is my body. What must have been going through their mind as they were looking at that piece of bread and Jesus is saying, this is my body. So, which is for you. So it is for us because the greatest act of service was Jesus laying down his life on the cross for us, for our sins, so that we could be forgiven. So here we are in this moment And here's what you understand. Right now, you're in the very presence of God. You're right at the table with Jesus right now as we take this. He's right there. He's right here in this moment. So if you feel so inclined, you can pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your body. I remember your death right now. 
I'm thankful for what you've done for me. Thank you for forgiving me. You're my God, you're my Lord, you're my King, and you're my Savior. Let's see it in faith. So when he gets through that, Jesus takes the cup. So I want you to picture the scene right here. He's sitting there at the table with the disciples, and now he takes the cup. And they're, they're, this, is, this is a Passover meal that they're having. And after supper, he said, this cup is a new covenant. So they had all kinds of covenants. I mean, we're talking about, as we're going through Exodus, we're looking at the, the, the Mosaic covenant. So now this is a, he says, now I got a new covenant for you now. This is about, this is a covenant that's all about grace. This cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's go ahead and open up the juice. So as Jesus is there with the disciples, and he's got the cup. You know, they'd done this every year. They'd been there several cups that they go through and they drink on the Passover. And he says, holding this cup, he said, you know, now everything changes on this night. So he's holding that cup in front of them. And he's saying that this cup that we're about to drink right now, it represents my blood. So the next day is the day that, that he was crucified. He said, this represents my blood, this new covenant. So now it's for the remission of your sins. So picture once again, the lamb's blood going over the doorposts the atoning sacrifice of the lamb. Everybody inside the house, saved from the wrath of God. Everybody who's under the blood of Jesus, who is in Christ Jesus, is saved from the wrath of God. Man, what a wonderful blessing this is. So as we're doing this this morning, the Bible says that you and I need to be reminded. We need to be reminded over and over again. So what we're doing right now is we're remembering. So can I, can I ask you to remember one more thing? Some of you, you can remember the moment that you were saved. Can you remember that moment right now? Can you think about that? Some of us, like me, I can't remember that moment. But I am remembering this morning, right now, what Jesus has done on the cross and his blood. And I'm remembering the forgiveness of my sins, the new life in Christ, the new covenant, the grace of God. And just as we're about to drink this in in just a moment, man, I have drank in the grace of God and I drink it in every day. So if you feel, if you want to pray with me, then please join me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your love. So you're my God. You're my king, you're my Lord, you're my savior. Let's drink in faith. So before you stand up and before you walk out, as you walk out these doors and you head towards our main entrance, 
on the right, there is something called the resource room. In the resource room, there is prayer guides and there is a couple's, oh, I can't remember what the title of it is now. Somebody say it a little louder, I heard you. Family meeting, yes. And it's a couple's edition right there. That, listen, if you haven't looked at that, if you're married, and if you're feeling the burnout and underappreciated, whatever it may be, I would encourage you to get that and it will help facilitate that conversation you need to have with your spouse and both of y'all need to have. Melissa and I have done it many, many times and every time we've done it, it just refreshes us and helps us knit our hearts to God and back to each other because that is what you need because life in this world can be draining. So I would encourage you to do that. Do that as a couple. Hey, listen, if you're here with your spouse and you're gonna do that with your couple, then, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a promise that you won't get mad. Can you do that? That you can, that you can turn off the emotions and go through this exercise and be receptive because what if Moses would have got mad that day at Jethro and said, man, you starry Gentile, get out of here. I'm not listening to you. Our pride Hold on, hold on. That's what keeps us from hearing is our pride. How dare you? Our self-entitlement. So, one more thing the Lord's brought to my attention. If you're here right now and you have been through divorce and you're sitting here and you're hurting and you're looking up here at me and you're like, yeah, David, Man, that's all easy for you. You know, you go home to your wife, you got your wife and all that here with you and all that. It's all great and everything. Oh, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. God loves you, God sees you right where you're at. And you're not devalued and you're not diminished. You're just as important in the kingdom as everybody else. And we love you and we value you. And we would never wanna push you off the side and make you feel like you're alone and you're the only one because I have said in your place, many Sundays, sat in church alone, and looked around, it seemed like everybody around me was all a bunch of happy families, and I was the only one. Let me tell you what, regardless of what you're going through today, you're not the only one. You're not alone. And I can tell you that we love you. We're thankful that you're here. We cherish you. We pray for you. And if you need more prayer, let us know. We'll pray more for you. So thank you for being here. Let's all stand. Yes, yeah, so God, we, God, we need help. Whew, it's like whenever everything starts going good, we start getting mad at each other. When we start having disputes with each other when things go good and when things go bad, <laughs> we get mad at you sometimes, God. God, thank you that you're gracious, that you're merciful, that you love us with an unconditional love in Christ. God, thank you for bringing, allowing pain into our lives that turns our heart back to you. Thank you for lovingly disciplining us when we go the wrong way. So God, this morning I pray for any of the marriages that are here that are just hanging by a thread. 
and they need help. God, I pray that you would just direct their hearts to good counselors or people that could pray for them or the right community group where they could get into and just be encouraged and be counseled. And God, for the person that's here this morning that's, that's alone, that came by themselves, God, I pray that they would see that they're never alone in Christ. And I pray that this morning that they would see that all of us around them, that we love them, that we consider them our family. God, I pray today that no one will walk out of here feeling alone, but that they would feel loved and that they would feel a part of this family here. So I pray this over you before you leave out. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go. In Jesus' name.